BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. There we go. Uh, hey, everyone. I'd like to introduce a great musician, producer, uh, roller coaster enthusiast, Johan Lennox. It's Johan, right? Yeah, you got it right. How's it going? Awesome. No, it's, it's fine, man. Just, you know, same old, same old life. Life is just, you know, pain in the ass, but whatever, we yeah. got to go through it. <laughs> For sure. Nah, how are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good. Same thing, pretty much. But yeah, I just got back to LA. I was traveling on the East Coast for a bit, and I'm here for, uh, I guess, a while. Uh, but just finishing the stuff for my album, and I've got like a classical album I'm probably going to put up before that, which I'll announce pretty soon. So, no, that's cool. Going on. Yeah, I saw, um, I was watching like, uh, like, what was it like a six or seven minute biography kind of a view oh, yeah. on a, on a website and it's saying you you grew up just knowing classical music like that's all you essentially knew and learned right like that's, yeah, yeah that's what your that was your bread and butter forever uh did you know like how to play every instrument or just sort of arrange it arrange them or yeah, mostly composing and arranging. I mean, the only thing I really play is piano uh, and then voice, obviously. But um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like if you study composing, like you're learning a lot about like how how to write an oboe part or like how to make a brass section blend well or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then also just a lot about how to structure that type of music so that you make you know, a piece of music that doesn't have like a verse and a chorus or any kind of vocal that you can still make it flow in a natural way and kind of make sense. Um, so uh, that was really what I was studying at the time. And was that uh, your choice or your parents or you just grew a liking to it or? Uh, I mean, initially I was playing piano. 
uh mostly just kind of casually like as a hobby because it was in we had a piano in our house I was really lucky that that kind of that was there because i think that's really where all this really started um but we i guess i got into um composing because i didn't really like the structure of playing other people's music on piano and just having to learn it perfectly and just kind of execute that i was much more interested in like improvising and making stuff up and then i got really into film soundtracks like uh like indiana jones was kind of the first one that really did that for me mm. and just so then we started going uh my parents started taking me to see orchestra concerts where you could see like john williams conducting the indiana jones soundtrack and with a live orchestra stuff like that and i think that was when i was like i want to do that so i kind of got on the path of trying to write music for orchestras and uh a scene where where is this um roller coaster enthusiasm come from like can you are you kind of like a rain man at that do you know like every sort of roller coaster like you, i could tell you a state and you could uh, probably a little bit i mean you could try yeah. it I, I, there's there's like I'm, there's like ones that are more famous than others like there's there's lots of crap just floating around at like carnivals and smaller parts that i'm probably not as familiar with but yeah like the major ones i mean it's not just like having an encyclopedic knowledge and stuff because i don't really have that for anything but it's more just like i just watch a lot of content related to that stuff and just after a while the same things start to come up and you start to be like oh that's that one, that's that one. yeah it and are you just like into what like the way it's built or you actually like riding them i love like riding the them. Of it? it's all of it i like i, I like I, mean, I love riding them I love the thrill of it. I also think I, uh, I really like the uh, just kind of the theater around that stuff, like just parks. I mean, I, I don't really apply as much to Disney, but for whatever reason, the combination of just the like engineering and the sort of yeah, like the, the physical sensation of riding a roller coaster, but combining that with just sort of the theater of how a park is put together. Which I mean, I did I did a lot of musical theater when I was in high school and college, and I'm really into that. I'm really into stuff like Cirque du Soleil. I just love like giant productions, kind of just in general. And I think it probably hits that for me a little bit too oh it's true i didn't think about that that there's theater to certain roller coasters like you i I guess there would be an act one where it's you know getting you ready for the scary part and then i mean some some of them yeah but i'm I'm saying even more just in, in a more general sense just like like just the idea of like big expensive large scale entertainment just as you know just the theatricality of it really you know not like the, you know just is just something that i i think i'm drawn to just across the board you know like i love like the olympics opening ceremony for this thing i just love stuff like that just big oh, okay. theatrical stuff and i feel like parks kind of have to do a lot of that too yeah do you know how many roller coasters you've like ridden in your life have you ridden yeah it's bit? like around 150 which is not that many because i'm friends with a lot of people that are like that do this as like sort of either their main hobby or even like some of them actually like make a living just making content around roller coaster stuff and like <laughs> some of them have been on like a thousand of them or something you know but yeah uh yeah about like 150, somewhere on that i think I, i've only ridden one roller coaster oh, i yeah. hate i hate the if i wanted to ride something so fearful i would just get on a highway and go up a really high interstate exit i feel like yeah it's kind of funny because <laughs> like the fear I, I get that that's like a thing for like a lot of just I guess non-enthusiast kind of normal people who are into this, you know, like that it's sort of like they get scared and they actually think that they're like the ride's gonna fall apart, or they're just like 
but I, I never really understood that aspect of it. I mean, I guess maybe when I was really young, but like, it's like obviously the ride's safe. Like it's given like that, you know, thousands, thousands, thousands of rides. So it's like maybe there's like an irrational fear that you look over the hill and you're just like, mm-hmm. oh no, this is scary. But it, it doesn't really Definitely. hit for me. I mean, it's just kind of like obviously it's fine. So it's it's, but there is like a physical sensation where your stomach is just kind of like what the. Yeah, so definitely. I, 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 I still get that, but I'd sort of like the rational part of me always knows I'm totally safe, and so I don't, I don't compare it to like, I don't think of it as like a risk taking kind of thing, or you know. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I think the only roller coaster I've ever ridden, because I'm here from Texas, is the Road Runner at Six Flags. Right, right, right. And it, it just are you scared. in your, are you near San Antonio or are you near the Florida yeah I'm in, I'm in San Antonio. And okay. uh, that Roadrunner man just scared. I don't know. And it's like probably that's a baby. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like a baby roller coaster compared no. to like whatever else you could ride, like the Batman or whatever. Uh, yeah, they have some other good stuff shit. there. I have a friend who's a, who lives, I think, near there who's always talking about the Iron Rattler and a couple of other ones. Oh, yeah. The Rattler when it was just Fiesta, Texas and not Six Flags. Yeah, that was like the Iron the Rattler. Deal. Yeah, uh, I uh, I was wondering, uh, like, I don't know if you've seen, seen my strange addiction where, like, the there was a woman that was in love with a carnival ride. Do you think you could ever sexually be attracted to a roller coaster? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> you never know the, you don't consider, consider them, uh, like male or female and sort of a no, like I actually find that way. shit kind of weird. Ever sometimes people talk about it using she, like the way people talk about like big boats, they're, they're always a she. I find that incredibly strange that people still do that. Like you go on <laughs> Wikipedia and they'll talk about like a major ship that was built like ten years ago. And they, literally the entire article is written like she had her maiden voyage. It's just like fucking very weird to me. I'm like I, I think it's like not it. Yeah, I honestly <laughs> think I bet that'll kind of end also in the next oh yeah yeah like yeah, the yeah. way things are going now yeah, yeah or weird. or get even more uh ridiculous i guess it could go either way really Possibly. uh i'll see here and then uh i was reading about how like or on your uh little interview or documentary uh that you heard my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and that kind of like you know flip the switch on you or change yeah, yeah. kind of like and I, I love that album too like i'm not much into kanye's first few albums they're good but yeah. that one really like resonated yeah. with me i think the vast majority of people it's like the first three and really the first two that are the ones that people are obsessed with which is kind of funny because i i yeah i had the same experience obviously i got into darkness of fantasy before having really ever heard those first albums I might have heard like Gold Digger on the radio, stuff like that, but I really didn't have any idea what was going on with that music. And like, it is interesting, like, because uh, people were immediately like, oh, you got to check out the original stuff. That's the real shit. It's just kind of like, and I do like it. I, I've grown to really love a lot of that older stuff, mm-hmm. but it, it, yeah, it doesn't have as much of a personal connection to just the things that I'm interested in, which obviously like the symphonic scale of like Darkest Fantasy and also Yeezus, which I really like just for being kind of experimental and just that level of like, Mm-hmm. single-mindedness in terms of the music i think it's just incredible yeah i was gonna ask you about Jesus. you just explained that uh is so different so uh raw and almost grungy type i in, in me i'm i'm not a you know like a as much of a connoisseur professional as you might be because you actually you know 
know how to put music together but i imagine that one was like different but in a good way as far as like you are saying from yeah you know i mean i think it pissed a lot of people off a little bit i mean i think a lot of people were just like what the hell is this shit and i I think that's good uh to do from time to time um i think it uh you probably know i did this big classical orchestra concert that used a lot of music from jesus to kind of make a point about I guess what a composer is, I guess. And like that, that music served really well for that. Cause a lot of it's, um, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't tend to fall into just like normal production of like verse and chorus and drums, bass, guitars, whatever. It doesn't have, or, you know, just a sample with drums. Like it's, it's not sort of just organized in a way that just feels like every other song, like every, everything on there is very like specific sonic choice. And just be like, yeah, well the drums, or it's like the snare is also pitched and it's like this one sound and the, the kick is this other sound and that also is on a note and it's distorted and it has this specific sound. And then there's like a melody element and that is this sound. And it's like, it feels much more like composed for instruments than it does sort of just like, let's just fill out the sound and have like a beat going and just have like a first and a chorus. Like it's very, every decision on that feels like incredibly tight and incredibly considered in a way that kind of reminds me of, I guess, the way a lot of classical composition is. And then what did you think of uh, 808s and Heartbreak? Because I, I really like that one, it's too. Great. I know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, like, I, for me, I, I don't find a lot of the songs in there as fun to listen to. I mean, I think maybe half of the songs in there I really love, and then the other half I feel are kind of, like, interesting sort of misses for me. But, like, I definitely understand that, like, that album is sort of what started it all in terms of that that sound. And I think that's really where you started to get into this era of just incredible experimentation with, like, melodies in in rap music and i think that's that's when pop music got really interesting again i think and in um as far before you heard uh uh by beautiful dark twist fantasy were you only exclusively into like classical music or did you listen to any other uh radio pop or nothing nothing that was current or yeah no no pop or hip-hop really i mean there was like yeah like primarily i was listening to classical music because i kind of just like treated what I listened to as an extension of what I was studying. So I think that was what I would put on because it was just the world I was in mm-hmm. otherwise. Uh, but, you know, I also listened to like a lot of musical theater and that was sort of like a guilty pleasure for me actually at that time. Cause I feel like the classical world mostly did not consider that like serious music, or at least that's how it was presented to me. Uh, especially when I was younger, but I love musicals. I love, there's like random exceptions. Like there was some pop music that I would uh, became acquainted with when I was in like, singing in acapella groups in high school and stuff. Uh, so that like, you know, I got into like, I don't know if you like Ben Folds is, but like, he's like a piano playing kind of I've heard pop, that name. pop kind of guy, but mm-hmm. never, never really hit like mainstream, very kind of like indie rock almost, I guess, but mm-hmm. for like piano music. So, and he's sort of like a Billy Joel kind of like a, a successor, I guess. So, so like I was really into that music which is like kind of nerdy music to be into, but it, it kind of fit with the milieu of all this other stuff I was listening to, which is all kind of like music nerd music. Billy Joel, you know, there's like random exceptions. I did like know all of the Nirvana discography like very well because my brother had been really into it and it kind of mm. got passed down to me. And even he was pretty late to that. Like it was kind of well after that had been mid-mainstream. But then when I got to it, it was like almost, you know, at the point where it started, you know, more like it started to come back by that point. But like... That music is super interesting, very weird, just from like a musical perspective, regardless of any of the cultural context around it. Like 
it's uh, just very like odd kind of atonal chord progressions and the melody writing is spectacular and like the structures of the songs often are pretty interesting. So I think that that, that stuff, uh, that was sort of like the one thing that I would describe as like cool that I was into. But yeah, at that time it was really not current though. So, yeah. I'll say you, you, and you uh, look at it a lot different the way, you know, you're, you're raised with the classical music. You must, you know, I, I don't know, either be interesting to you, like you said, or, torture you with how they structure their music you know uh i don't don't know what you would call like nirvana like basic musicians or just bands you know compared to composers or well i think it's like yeah i don't i mean i don't really think of it that way it's possible that at the time i would have a little bit more but i'm not sure i ever really had like a real worldview especially with respect to like the nirvana stuff uh as to how that fit in with like the classical stuff. I think, I don't really think they intersected much in my mind. Now I would say you could pretty clearly look at the Nirvana stuff and say that like, it's compositionally pretty tight. I think part of that is because he plays mainly power chords on the guitar, mm-hmm. which end up really just being like orchestration of like one note. It's like really his guitar parts are like a melody. that's just really fucking beefed up with the power chords, the distortion and stuff. And then he's singing another melody. So you really just end up with something that's kind of like a two-part counterpoint. And it's pretty good counterpoint, in my opinion, for what it is. So it's like, even just from that perspective, I think that their music is closer to what I find interesting, just on a purely musical level. I think there's value in a lot of music that I don't find that interesting on a musical level, but which exists and just as, uh, as a cultural statement is kind of challenging or provocative. And I think a lot of music that gets like well-reviewed or ends up being influential has that and isn't it's not like doing a lot that's that interesting from like just purely like if you just wrote out the sheet music of the song you wouldn't find that much to look at but i think the nirvana mm-hmm. stuff is actually pretty interesting in that respect so I, I, it probably makes sense that i was drawn to it no and that is interesting to me because i i know well you, you said you, you got it passed down from your brother and i was curious like what other music you might have gotten maybe from your parents or your uh friends or your brothers because i know when i when me growing up i had a older sister and my mother they they would pass down their music so i was listening to like aqua ace of bass uh you know real female pop spice girls (laughs) it it was just like i love it now like i love pop music like female-led uh pop music but it's like you know it's because that's i grew that's all i grew up with so Obviously, yeah, yeah. Nirvana. Your Nirvana came from your uh, older sibling, so just wondering. It's if definitely parents... nostalgic. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. nostalgic for me in that in that sense. But I really think it like I, I think I like it for what it is musically. But it is fair that like you know you're, you're right in the sense that I didn't get into like other bands from that era. Like I don't I don't have like a nostalgic connection to like '90s grunge in general. I mean, I kind of do, I guess, a little bit. Like I'll throw it on. I like it because it reminds me of Nirvana. But I think my interest in Nirvana is partly just like. I went like I did like a full deep dive just on the music at the time, and I know all that stuff. But I never listened to like a single Pearl Jam song or a single like Stone Temple Pilots song or something like that at the time. So it was like, I think my my experience of music was always very like free of cultural context. Like it was just kind of like this music sounds interesting, but I never watched any of the videos. I didn't know anything about what it meant culturally. I didn't understand. I never watched any shows, you know. And that was and again like the pop music that I was connected to even at the time was none of it was like remotely current. So it's not like I had friends who were talking about it or do it. So it's like, 
my yeah my relationship with the music was very kind of abstracted just to just literally like i like this as a composition this makes this sounds good it makes my my head feel good you know it doesn't there was never any kind of like oh what's he saying in the lyrics like what does this mean like what like what you know what you know, or let alone sort of understanding that, like, you know, the rise of grunge was like a rebellion against, like, you know, uh, whatever, like, hair yeah. and all that type of stuff. Like, I just, none of that would have had any significance to me at all. And I didn't, again, like, I didn't know any of what was going on. Like, my friends were probably listening to, like, Eminem or, or shit like that. Like, and then later, <laughs> my friends were listening to, you know, like, indie rock, like, uh, you know, Arcade Fire, stuff like that. And I never... I never found that interesting at all. I never, I just, I just kind of, my relationship with music was just completely divorced from any of what my non-classical music friends were listening to. But within the classical music world, we all would talk about classical and stuff like that. So I think there, there was a bit more of like a peer relationship with it. But, you know, we're talking about music often that's like hundreds of years old, you know, and being like, oh, have you listened to this yet? And it's just like, that's something that's, you know, a totally different <laughs> sort of relationship to it, I think. Yeah, I don't think anyone's dropping... Well, I'm sure now. No, they are. Drop... I mean, we were writing contemporary. Yeah, yeah, there was some of that too. Like, oh, you're like they're dropping high. new classical music. <laughs> no, literally, yeah. Like, there's, yeah. Uh, you know, like the teachers that I studied with were all doing it. I mean, you know, like a, a composer I really looked up to at the time was this dude named Nico Muley, uh, who was very hot in like the New York. He's worked with a lot of indie bands too, but he's basically just like a composer and wrote a lot of operas and put out a lot of albums and, and I, you know I, I was putting other classical composers on to some of that stuff being like yo this is really cool what he's doing here and, but it's just different I mean it's just there's not like that sort of immediacy like you know you could be into that music five years after the fact and still be kind of current it's just not the same sense of mm. just like everybody I know is talking about the new like Uzi album or something like that it's just like that's a totally <laughs> different thing I think What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And, and so when you you did, you know, listen to My Beautiful Dark Toots, Twisted Fantasy, and it inspired you to write this, like, Kanye-esque, like, symphony, right? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, it was sort of, like, pretty much just, like, direct replications of a few of the songs from Yeezus, but for orchestra, and then performing them alongside uh, pieces of music by Beethoven and just being, like, you know, these are interesting compositional techniques being used in both of these things and kind of almost like from my perspective the point obviously part of it was like just for normal people who like Kanye to come through and get to experience an orchestra concert and maybe hear some Beethoven like that was cool but from my perspective the more interesting point was facing the classical music world and just saying like really that I think that what Kanye has managed to do is more interesting and more similar in spirit to like what a composer like Beethoven was doing in his time than what a lot of contemporary classical people are doing. And so part of it was just to be like, maybe we should be paying more attention to this and like trying to understand. Cause that's, that's kind of what got me to move to LA and to get into the type of music I'm making now was just being like, wait a second, there, there are actually people doing pretty interesting stuff. That's reaching like a really big and kind of 
contemporary audience. And I, I think classical music could do that. And I've always been working on that idea since I was in high school. And the Kanye stuff felt like evidence of that. So I think that's, that was kind of the premise of the, the concert. In, in that concert, uh, I, I haven't heard it, but it, you said, it, did it open doors for you, like, to meet, you know, these, uh, like, Kanye? You're, a, or you're any... cutting out for, uh, you mind just saying that again, it was cutting out. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, did, uh, and this open doors for you, like, to yeah, help, yeah, yeah. like, produce with, you know, more, uh, I don't know, esteemed yeah, uh, so artists? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a mic issue. It might be an internet issue. It just goes totally silent in the middle of, uh, I don't think it's the mic. I think it, I heard half of what you said, but it just cuts okay. out. Okay. We'll it's, see how it goes. But I, I heard your question though. Yeah. So, so that concert uh, got me into, um, uh, yeah, it got me connected to Vic Mensa initially through his manager, David Appleton, whose friend came to the show. Uh, and then Vic was very generous and helped me uh, get, you know, into um, writing strings, really, uh, which is for his music, which is something I hadn't done. Um, prior to that, uh, really, I mean, I've been wanting to do that, but, but it just, uh, yeah, that was sort of the first artist who I really did arranging and composition for. And then along the way, started producing for him, met no ID through him. I met a lot of artists like big Sean and snow Allegra through no ID. And it just kind of kept going, uh, from there. And then also around the time I met Mike Dean, who worked on some of the Kanye, uh, stuff, uh, like especially the some of my favorite albums he did a lot of the mixing and production and all the synth stuff especially and guitar solos and like he kind of took me under his wing a little bit introduced me to kanye and i got to work on some of that stuff i got to work with uh travis scott uh on astroworld and like on that and um it's kind of where everything started from a producing standpoint no that's amazing <laughs> to go like from that to meeting him and how was how was that first meeting him was it like I don't know, meeting a god or just was he just like a regular dude? Uh, Kanye? With Kanye? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was like it wasn't like that crazy. Like it was sort of like a relatively like intense period of time because he was making five albums in five weeks. This was like a stunt he kind of did in 2018 for different Jeez. artists, including himself. Uh, I'm sure you remember, but yeah, uh, that um, was. Like, it was just kind of business. It was just sort of like, okay, here's what you do, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and then I would do something and be like, I like this, I don't like that. Just was like pretty focused. Uh, but he was plenty nice to me and kind of just, yeah, very on his game. Yeah, and it, I, know, I don't know if you want to have any opinion on the way he's been acting now, like so outrageous. Uh, not outrageous, but... It's pretty outrageous. I'd say that's probably the best word, honestly. I think it's definitely... I think yeah. outrage is something that kind of fuels him. And I think that and, was true way before this. Like, you remember, like, when he went on TV and said, George Bush doesn't care about black people, which, like, yeah. I kind of agree with, but still, I think from his perspective, that was, like, saying the thing that no one will let you say, and it pissed a lot of people off. And same with the Taylor Swift thing, which, where he went on stage and kind of interrupted her uh, acceptance speech for her uh, VMA award, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, again, in that case, I think some people were like, well, he's speaking up for like black excellence and like Beyonce really should have got, but that Beyonce clearly was looking at him like, what are you doing there? I'm like, you know, but it's like, yeah. I think his perspective, like he's always been doubted. He's always been told, well, you can't do that. You know, you can't get into fashion. You're a rapper, you know, it's just like, and it's like, I think that notion is fuels him. And I think he just maybe doesn't really see much of a distinction between things like that and then things like just you know 
wearing the Trump hat or like, uh, um, you know, saying stuff about like Hitler and stuff, which is, I think, for him, it's just a lot. It's mostly, I think, just like outrage kind of. Well, and to me, like, whenever I remember Jesus came out and it, he had the song, I Am a God, and it was kind of like yeah. almost a parody. Like, people, it wasn't him saying he was a god it was that people were treating him like he was a god you know like his opinion mattered that much and i guess at a certain point i I can't imagine i mean i don't know if you've ever reached like those he he's reached a different level of fame where you know people are completely watching under a microscope but all celebrities are treated like gods i think in our society and it it is kind of weird and pretty unhealthy i mean i also think I didn't used to feel this way, but I I kind of increasingly am like, and I I don't know how you would like, basically we're all on social media. And so everyone's thoughts are just very public all the time if they want them to be. And I don't really know what the solution is, but I think it's better. People repost this uh, uh, screen grab of like a New York times article where the headline was just, it was like a opinion piece uh, that was the headline was just, we should all know less about each other. I kind of think that's, it's like people post it as a joke sometimes when somebody somebody comes out with something like really cringe or whatever. But like, I think that is kind of true. I don't know if there's any solution to it, but I kind of am like the, like the, the 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 cliche, and you hear it more from like the right wing of of stuff is like like you're an artist, just shut up and make music, or like shut up and dribble or whatever type of <laughs> yeah you know? yeah. And like yeah. I, I sort of like used to kind of bristle at that because a lot of artists, you know, especially athletes and stuff, have been standing up for causes that I really agree with, and I think it's good to use in your platforms for that. But I do think a lot of this stuff is also just like, why are we asking somebody who like is like really good at music their opinion on politics? Like, why is that something we're supposed to like? I think it would be kind of better if a lot of places didn't publish what people say like just didn't and i know it drives clicks and stuff but it's like is that actually a story like kanye said some dumb stuff about like some stuff like that he had, he clearly knows nothing about he's like not educated on politics i think very well he's not like an expert on that topic like why does anybody care and i guess we have to care because he has a big platform on his social media like people do listen and a lot of sketchy probably actual nazi sympathizers like took what he said as you know, validating. And I think that is mm-hmm. really bad, but I still just kind of feel like the amount of amplification that the mainstream media did on that. And on many, many other things on both the left and the right, where people just say like really extreme or outrageous things, or just say stuff that is clearly ignorant or uninformed. It's like, yeah, they're like a musician. Like, why would they know anything about like, you know, like, like you've, you've probably seen kind of do interviews about, the Trump stuff and, and people will press him on specific political things. And he clearly has never even heard of the stuff they're talking about. Like he, that was never what he was drawn to about Trump. He likes to sort of, again, I say like the theatrics of it and he sort of relates to the underdog. Like people really don't like Trump. People think he shouldn't say this or that. Like he relates to that. He has no idea what Trump's doing in office because he's not, he doesn't pay attention to politics like that. And most people don't to be honest. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's just like, why are we listening to his opinion at all on this pro or con? And, and, and the same goes for if he came out against Trump. It's just like, again, like it, his opinion on this is irrelevant. Like why we care at all, you know? And I just, <laughs> I, I kind of wish we could go back to a time where everyone understood that like most musicians and actors, especially and athletes and everybody else, just like they do not know what they're talking about outside of, you know, the work that they do. And no, nor does anybody else often. It's just like, 
if you want to hear political opinions, get a political expert. You know, uh, yeah, that's like a, that, that'd be a less of a waste of everybody's time. In my opinion. And, and I'm and I wouldn't even say they're allowed. They're not allowed to have their own opinions, but don't take them. So that's what I'm like, saying, of course, strongly. It, yeah. yeah, so many people have the dumbest opinions in the world, yeah. and I don't want to hear them. And we should all not want to hear them, you know? Yeah. 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 If, if, if like the president says something stupid about what he's doing, then yes, I would definitely like to know about that. But like my neighbor across the street probably has some crazy opinions on stuff. And I don't have to know that. And I don't want to know that. And like, yeah, there are famous musicians who make great music that I love. I still don't want to know their opinion on stuff that doesn't have to do with music. I don't think it's relevant, you know? Yeah. And I think it's I've... weird that we're in a place where everyone thinks it is. And I hate that, like, people don't want to separate the art from the person either. Like, they immediately, yeah. like, with Kanye, he's, I think he's, like, one of the best musicians. And I know you would agree uh, about that. But then, like, people want to uh, not care about his music at all because of his uh, political opinions or whatever. And it's like, dude, you can't. I mean, that's like, their right. But and yeah. I th- it can get tricky, obviously. Like, I come from a world where I never was listening to music for lyrics or whatever. And like the music I listened to was pretty abstracted. And I like, I know that it exists in a context and it interacts with the other music that came before it and after it. But like, like it's not like I like, like it, I get that it's harder if somebody starts rapping in the middle of the song about stuff you don't want to hear about, or that like they start saying crazy shit in the song. I, and I get that there's a bit more of a connection there, but you know, like I, yeah, for me, yeah, the art has become inextricable from the artist in a way that I don't think it really always was. Like, like the the performance of being an artist is a large part, like who they are on social media, what they do outside of the music, what you know, their Twitter, or whatever. And Kanye was, you know, benefited from that, you know, for a period with Twitter. But like, like I really think that that's not always how it was. I think back in the day, you really could just be like this is great art. Oh yeah. Apparently he's kind of an asshole and that's all, you know, like, but we're like inundated with people's personas and their personalities and it kind mm-hmm. of, and it's become the art form and I don't really know what the solution is, but I think that that has made it harder for people to make that separation. And I don't really know. It's, well, do you think much. like back in the day, Beethoven probably had slaves? Like you, you, you think they'd say uh, yeah, something I'm like, not, I'm not literally sure if that's true, but yeah, I, uh, but <laughs> you sure, know, there's a lot of, I mean, there's, yeah, definitely people have talked about like Bach, like, you know, uh, I don't know, just, I guess literally, I don't even fucking remember. There was some, there was some sort of thing about it. You yeah, know what it was but, actually, I don't know if you saw the movie tar. I'm pretty sure it was in that they have a no. scene that depicts like a student, uh, asking the teacher like why we're studying Bach if he was like a misogynist or something and they have some evidence to support that oh my god well I mean I don't know I think I don't think it's not worth raising those questions but it's just kind of like yeah I just think uh that's not really I I don't think it's good I guess if you want good music and good art I don't think that making it primarily about people's personality is the way to get there well yeah but to me it's just separating it like if you want to talk about those issues talk about those but you all talk about his music talk about it in a whole different which is mostly what happens i mean most study of bach does not involve any discussion of who he was as a person it's literally just look at this counterpoint look at how this works or whatever so i don't think that that's really a, a being threatened right now but i think it is like harder to to say like what a what a, a current artist should do about this or like how you know how how we as a society i guess can can sort of de-emphasize some of the bullshit i think a bit but Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty hard to put it back right now it feels like the persona is driving a lot of this stuff 
in this uh album you're just well i mean you didn't just put it out it's been out i believe for a while the uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I believe yeah. that's what the acronym stands for. What did what did you uh, get that name from? What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, it's I mean, all the songs just kind of have to do with figuring out where I fit in the world and where my generation fits in the world and how we, you know, what it means to be an adult and whether we're on our way or not and what we thought that was going to look like when we were younger and then realizing that there's sort of this just endless you know arrested development kind of situation that a lot of people are in where we're like you know getting older and still playing video games and still eating like <laughs> shitty food and kind of not married <laughs> and don't have a house and don't have a kid and all that kind of stuff which I, might be okay but it's just very hard to know what what we're supposed to do because it, the path used to be so clearly set out and things are just very uh ambiguous now um so yeah to me it's like and then I, I like the idea. I put the kid on the cover and some mm-hmm. of it, the videos kind of go back to like me as a child wondering what I want to be when I grow up and just checking where I'm at with it. And then there's a monologue, which I'm sure you remember, which is in the second to last song, which is just that my girlfriend actually gave. Just I interviewed her and she was talking about like uh, how it never hurts to ask that question even now, you know, like, like, even now you can say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Even though maybe we're grown up. It's mm-hmm. like, it's good. It's like we live in a world where we have that kind of freedom to choose. And it is scary. And the world is very uncertain right now. But I think that puts the onus on us to just constantly say, like, is this what I want to be doing with my life? Is this what I'm hoping my life is going to look like? Um, and I think I'm pretty sure she just said that. And then I was like, that could be the title of the album. So um, I think it came from her. I, I mean, I don't think it was a coincidence, but the next album I'm calling, I guess we'll find out. And I wrote that with a songwriter who I like a lot. We co-wrote it. And I'm pretty sure he suggested the title while we were talking about the subject matter, not knowing that, like not, and I, neither of us realized at the time, but I say that all the time. And I had them before that, like that phrase, I guess we'll find out, you know, because that kind of worked <laughs> out. It's kind of coincidence, but yeah. And uh, what, what did you want to be when you grew up, like back, back when? When well, you, there uh... was a, there was a roller coaster designer phase, of course. There was like a you know a construction <laughs> vehicle operator phase. There was like a you know dinosaur paleontologist you know uh, phase, and, and all the mm-hmm. usual kid stuff, boy stuff, I guess, especially. But um, yeah, I think pretty much as soon as I the bug bit me with the classical stuff, I wanted to be a composer, and I knew that much, and then kind of evolved into knowing that I wanted to do something where I was bringing classical music to like a bigger and younger audience i think i knew that even in high school and pretty much has never changed i want to play a quick uh sample of the you up uh because this is a song that you know you released a single of and i really uh i'm not saying connected to it i really liked it and i'm not really into like guy singers because i'm not you know like into dudes but but I just the beats great and you did the Thanks. beat you did the uh, yeah vocals and everything so I don't know it's I don't know I don't know what to say other than like it's a good song and it's one of those things where I'm like why isn't this bigger. <laughs> I know I wrote it like two years before it came out. I, th- I think it was sonically, it's definitely on a wave that uh, like 
I think if I had dropped it a couple years earlier, it would have been a lot better. But it was just, uh, it was just unless harder. you're like at that, because you know I've heard musicians say, you know, like I've I've said what I wish this were bigger, and they're like, I don't really want it to be bigger. Oh no no no! Know? I want the, I want my shit to be as big as possible. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've heard some people say, no, I don't want to be that big. Uh, the, you know, I, I guess maybe the uh, it, the weight of... The way you're uh, composing and stuff like that with the people that you do. Uh, sounds like you want to, like, you know, have your stuff everywhere and yeah yeah i mean i mean again like the end end goal is to just put like classical music in stadiums pretty much and i don't think there's any way to do that without getting really famous first so i mean yeah if that's what has to happen i'm down but i don't know if there's another way i'm down to try that too i just kind of want to just build what i'm doing into the biggest possible thing and just really have an impact on society no it's badass i want to show you one last thing (laughs) (laughs) it's sort of like a I don't know this. I have a little brother, and uh, he he put out like he he's a, a wannabe rapper, and he made nice. this beat. <laughs> Just this is the first I've ever put out of it. I wanted to have your opinion on it. I'll okay. play like a, I'll play like a minute of it. Sure. Uh, here we go. His name is Dobby, which uh, is like Spanish for David. Okay. Yeah. And he goes he goes by it. And I don't know if he's on drugs or what, but he's a very, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if he's on drugs or if he needs medication, because I know I take a lot of medication to control uh, myself. I kind of like how weird it is. I mean, yeah, the, the beat feels a little. The drums, I think, could be a little stronger. Mm-hmm. And then the mix could be a little stronger. Yeah, I think he's just doing. But I like the vibe of it, and I kind of like the video. Yeah, he's he's. You know, I don't know how how you are with your family, but it's like you can't pick your family, you know. No, I like it. I like the energy. Also, five thirty-six seems kind of long. Although I guess yeah, I'll say that. That's why I wanted to just play a minute of it. But yeah, no, I just want your opinion on that. I like his vocal delivery. I think uh, yeah, definitely. Just maybe if he can team up with another producer or someone who just has a little bit stronger idea how to just mix it and maybe tweak the drums a bit. I think that would be the next the next step for what he's doing. But yeah. <laughs> get the vocal a little crispier. But, yeah, and no, I appreciate your uh, your opinions on that. I <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny to show you that, but oh, I really yeah. do appreciate that, and I appreciate your time too. I used to do a lot of that. I used to have a Discord, and literally every Wednesday, I would just come in and listen to like twenty songs from random people who sent them to me. And it was it was interesting, but it got really tiring after a while. But I tried to. Oh, them. can't imagine, especially if you're trying to do your own music and then you have a social life or, you know you're trying to live so that does sound really I mean, exhausting only an hour and a half but yeah it's just it's more just exhausting trying to come up like after a while you just find yourself saying the same shit every time yeah 
<laughs> well well uh they can find your album uh what do you want to be when you grow up like is it streaming everywhere and all yeah. that it's just the initials yeah can, yeah it's on the screen but w-d-y-w-t-b-w-y-z and i have a lot coming i have a classical album coming soon i have another solo album with uh, my, my singing on it coming probably again that's great and i, I really appreciate your the time you give me today uh is is great just to like have a conversation with you and yeah i wish you all the success you you want i think you deserve it you know what i mean like yeah yeah i, I hope it all like comes to you i don't know manifests or however you want to uh imagine it you know but i hope it does you know yeah thank you man appreciate it yes yeah. a lot of good questions uh, i'm glad we did this yeah no thank you and uh thank everyone for listening see you later What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.